Good morning, Bridge Church. Would you stand with us this morning as we set our hearts and minds, as we look to Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith this morning. God, we look to you. Our hope, our trust is in you. Oh, we look to the sun. Set our eyes on our Savior. See the image of love. See his praises forever. Oh, we look to the sun. Oh, we look to the sun. Salvation.
miracles because you are a good, good Father and you are ever present. We give you all the glory. You deserve all of our praise today. And we praise you, Jesus, with an open heart.
Jesus this morning. Can we give him one more big hand clap and a shout of praise today? Amen. I believe that our God is worthy of our praise every hour, every moment of our day and all of our lives. Amen. Doesn't matter what we're going through. It doesn't matter what situations or circumstances might look like. Jesus is always worthy of our highest praise. Always. You know, this morning as I was just thinking about the words of that song, I was reminded that it doesn't matter what happens to us in this life. If our lives are grounded on the cornerstone of Jesus, we will not be shaken no matter what might come our way. You know, the Apostle Paul, he said it this way. He said, for I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. You might have walked into this place this morning and maybe there's a challenge, maybe there's a circumstance, maybe there's an issue that seems to be bigger than you. Can I tell you something this morning? There is no circumstance that is bigger than our God. And if we are rooted in the cornerstone of Christ, He's got us. Come on, somebody needs to hear that this morning. He's got you right there where you are this morning. 
So right now in praise, can we just lift our hands all across this place? Father, we thank you that you are with us, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us. You're with us till the very end of the age. And no matter what things might look like in our own lives, Father, we give our lives to you. And we ask God that you would have your way. We put our roots down deep in the firm foundation that is Jesus Christ, knowing that when we are rooted in you, God, we will not be shaken. God, we give you our lives today. We give you this time that we have. We ask that you would be here, God, inhabiting our praise, that you would speak to us, that you would do something new. We don't want old things. We don't want rituals. We don't want religion. We want to know you this morning, the one true living God. So come and have your way in our lives and in your church this day. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Come on, let's give our God praise one more time today. Amen. Amen. So be it. It is so good to see you in the house of God this morning. Anybody grateful for the sunshine outside? It's not too hot yet. We can be grateful for the sunshine today. And we're grateful that we get to spend this morning with you. Thank you so much for being in the house of God. It would not be the same without you. We're grateful that you're here taking your place in the family of God. I want to invite you right now just to turn around, say hi to a few people, greet some people, welcome somebody to church, tell them how good they look this morning, introduce yourself and say hi before you find your seat. morning. How's everybody? Did you have a good week? You ready for another good week? All right, let me give you some ammo to get you going this week. Let's pray together, okay? Father, we love you today. Thank you for your word. It's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our pathway. I pray you'd speak to us today. Show us where we are and where we need to go from here. Use your word to not just educate us and inform us, but use your word to inspire us to move forward. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to begin reading in just a few minutes from Exodus chapter 20. If you've got a Bible you want to turn there, you've got a device on your phone, some kind of app. To everybody, I want to say welcome today. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you for joining us for worship at the Bridge Church. Uh, if you're a first-time guest, we especially want to welcome you. We know there are a lot of great churches in the valley, and we're just honored you're here hanging out with us today. Thank you for joining us. If you've got any questions, out that first set of doors to the right, 
You'll find an information center there. Stop by. They can answer any questions, give you any information you might need. And if you just stop by and say hi, let them know you're here for the first time, they'll give you a personal greeting. But we really are glad you're here today. Can we welcome our first-time guests together? God bless you. Back in January, I shared a message titled Moral Realignment. Moral Realignment. And I talked that day a little bit about the importance a family talked about sexuality that day and, and having moral sexuality from scripture today I want to go back and tie into that a little bit just a little bit but today I, I really want to talk about something that I think a lot of us overlook and as we go through this message you'll understand the weight of it God established marriage male and female husband and wife to care for the earth, to reproduce, and to populate the earth. Go back to Genesis, the first few chapters, you'll find it there. But you'll also find that God established the family to become the foundation for society. God established family to become the foundation for society. That the family could pass on moral values... We could pass on culture. We could pass on acceptable behavior. We could pass on our faith from generation to generation. That was a part of God's intent and plan and purpose when he established the family. And the truth is, as the family goes, so goes the society. Today we look at our world, our society, our nation... And I think all of us would agree, boy, in a lot of areas, we, we got a mess on our hands. Especially when we look at morality, when we look at where the nation wants to be going. And I think we have to come back to God's word and realize that the hope of the world is the local church, but the hope of a nation is the family. The hope of the society is the condition of the family. So... What I want to do today, I want to talk a little bit about one of the family's responsibilities. And there's several aspects to this. I'm going to go to Scripture, look closely at it. Number one, look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. This is one of the Ten Commandments. How many of you have ever heard of the Ten Commandments? You know, the ten big ones. Remember, have you, how many of you ever saw Mel Brooks' movie, History of the World? Yeah, if you're laughing, you saw it, okay? You know, they got Moses coming off the mountain with the, all these tablets, and he's trying to carry him, and he says, I give to you the 20 command." and he gets in the middle of it, and he drops some of the tablets, and they break, and he says, uh, the 10 commandments. Well, the, this is one of the 10 big ones that God gave us. Paul said that God gave us the law to show us our sin. We couldn't become righteous by the law, but it showed us our sin. But of those Ten Commandments, there's a couple of them that come out as instructions. You know, I think eight of them come out as thou shalt not. But a couple of them give us instructions. This is one of them. Look at Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. Now, I'm going to ask you to keep that verse on the screen until I go to point two, okay? Or until I ask you to do otherwise. Exodus 20, verse 12. Honor your father and your mother. Honor. Everybody say Honor. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. 
This is the one of the Ten Commandments that is accompanied by a promise. It's a commandment and it's a promise. Honor your father and your mother. There's the commandment. Here's the promise. That your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. But you know, I believe there's a lot of misunderstanding about this commandment and the promise. This entire verse, there's a lot of misunderstanding about it. So I want to take a few minutes and I want us to dissect this because everything else I say works off of this today. Let's look at the promise. We tend to teach that it promises long life to those who observe it. Okay, now, now stay with me a second here. If you ask the average Christian, what is the commandments, the Ten Commandments, what do they say about parents and children? Most people will tell you, even Christians will tell you, it says, love your parents and God will let you live a long time. Or they say, obey your parents and God will let you live a long time. That's what we tend to teach in a lot of our churches. But yet if you go back and look at the words, it's not exactly worded that way. Because there are a lot of people, if that's for me, tell me I'm busy and I'll call them back in about 30 minutes, okay? Just take a message for me. That's a nice way of saying shut your phone off. <laughs> now I didn't see whose phone that was, so <laughs> I won't look over that way. Please, if I, if I just embarrassed you, forgive me. I didn't mean to embarrass you, whoever you were. But uh, that's why we shut our phones off in church right there. <laughs> we, tend to, we tend to think that it promises long life, and yet we all know people who were very honoring of their parents, and yet they didn't live long lives. So maybe there's something a little bit different in there. If we look at the wording of this promise, God is speaking to a nation of people. Now, let me set this up for you. This nation of Israel, these people have left Egypt. They've been released, and we all know the story of what happened there with Moses. Moses is leading them toward the promised land, and now they're out in this area known as a wilderness place, and as they're passing through, God decides, I'm going to give them my law now to govern them when we get into the land of promise. So God begins to lay out the promises to this nation that's being formed. This nation that's headed to a plot of land that God has already told them of the borders and now he's going to take them and make them a great nation in that land. So God is speaking to a people and he says to them that I am going to, and let's look at the verse, okay? Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. What he's saying to them is, I'm about to make you a great nation. And if you can live by my laws and pass them on from generation to generation, this nation will exist in this land for a long, long time. That's what he's saying here. That's what he's saying. And I think sometimes we miss the point because we have been taught wrong and we don't understand the big picture of what God is saying here. In other words, here's what I think God is saying. As long as this people from generation to generation will observe my principles that I'm teaching you now, this people will be established in this land. So let's look at the 
commandment. We looked at the promise for a moment. Let's look at the commandment. It says to honor your father and your mother. Notice it doesn't say love your mother and your father. How many of you know sometimes moms and dads can be hard to love? I, I should ask this question in children's church or in youth group second service, bridge youth. I'd get a different response. Sometimes it's difficult to love your parents. How many of you know sometimes it's even difficult to obey your parents? It doesn't say love your parents. It doesn't say obey your parents. Now, I think obedience comes with honor. I'm not separating them, okay, but stay with me. What it says is honor your father and your mother. The word honor here is a word that is closely connected in the original writings. It's, it's another form of the word that is interpreted glory. So when we talk about the glory of God, what we're saying is, you know, God just has this something about him that there's nobody like him. When God walks into the room, there's this weight, there's this power, there's this force that comes along, and there's nobody like him. So when we talk about the glory of God, we're saying there's nobody like God. He just carries weight. It's the same kind of word. The word honor really speaks to weight. Let me say it in two different ways. There's a weightiness that comes with some people. We give them room to weigh into our lives. He says, he doesn't even use the word children. He just says, honor your father and your mother. Let them weigh into your life. Let them have weight with you. Let them have influence with you because I've put them there for a reason, for a purpose. So he says, honor them. Let them weigh in and help form and influence your life. He's talking about weightiness. Okay? Now, let me ask a couple of questions here. Is this a commandment to children? Yeah. Let me do it this way. Is this a commandment for toddlers to honor their parents? Yeah. Is this a commandment for elementary kids to honor their parents? Yeah. Is this a commandment? How many parents we have in the house? Is this a good commandment for teenagers? Honor your father. Yeah. Is this a commandment for adult children, grown children like us? Yeah. To honor our parents. Okay. But let me go to another question. Where, and I think it's a bigger question, where and how are children to learn this commandment? This is where I think we miss the point of what God is saying here. If this commandment helps build a family and a nation that can be passed from generation to generation, then where are children supposed to learn this commandment? Are they supposed to learn it in school? Well, I think school can reinforce it, but we don't know what the kids are being taught. You're not there all week long. So you can't count on that. How about this? Are they supposed to learn this from their little league coach? Well, hopefully he reinforces it, but we don't know about that either. How about in dance class? Are the little kids supposed to learn it in dance class? Well, hopefully they're reinforcing it too, but you know, if you're counting on that alone, you're in trouble. How about Cub Scouts or Girl Scouts? Well, they're supposed to reinforce this, but what if they don't? Well, how about this one? Oh, I know where kids are supposed to learn this. This is in the Bible. Kids are supposed to learn this at church. 
Well, yeah, we reinforce it. But I've said this a hundred times here. I'll say it again today. The church does not exist to save your kids. The church exists to reinforce what you're doing at home. We get them for an hour a week, sometimes one week a month. If you think one hour a month is going to teach your kids this principle, you've missed the point. This is not about us looking to our children when they get grown or when they get to be teenagers and say, the Bible says you're supposed to honor me. What this is, this is really a commandment to parents and families from the time children are little, teach them to honor you and the things that you're sharing with them. Amen. See, I believe it's a lot or much larger statement than what a lot of us realize. And God's telling us, it's your responsibility to teach your children to honor you and to honor the values by which you live. And let me, let me make an antonym out of this, okay? Because if you don't teach these values to your children, then the values will disappear, your culture will change, your families will dissolve, and your society, your nation will begin to crumble. If we don't teach this to the next generation. Did you know that you and I have the ability to touch the future? We have the ability to shape the future. And it's based on how we influence the next generation. We can change, we can touch, we can shape and form the future by how we raise children. This implies that this commandment implies that children are to learn to honor what is being taught to them by their parents. And they're supposed to learn honor from their parents. Now, this is a mouthful today. I know ra raising kids is tough. I think raising children is tougher now than it was 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 40 years ago. It was definitely it's definitely harder today than it was when I was a little kid 20 years ago. But <laughs> let's see, I got my numbers wrong there. But the responsibility to teach children rests on the shoulders of the family, the home, the parents, the grandparents, extended family, and so forth. That's what God was saying with this commandment. Now, number two, you can take that verse down. I, I want to look at four things this morning that I believe we should teach children to honor. These aren't the only four things, but I, I don't, I'm not going to make a series out of this and do 29 things. I want to talk about four things today that I think are really important for us to teach our children to honor. Number one, we need to teach our children to honor authority. We need to teach our children to honor authority. I can take you through Scripture. Your child will always be under authority all the days of their lives and when they step into eternity they're going to answer to God you never escape authority whether it's at home whether it's at school whether it's at work whether it's in society driving your car down the road whether it's on vacation when you go to a place for vacation to a resort no matter where you go no matter what you do there are always going to be rules and regulations and people to enforce it it's a part of life there has to be authority and one of the best things you can do for your children is to teach them to honor authority 
It's important. Let me share a couple thoughts with you about that. Proverbs 4.1, Solomon, supposedly the richest, I mean, the, the wisest man who ever lived before Jesus, Solomon said, hear my children, get this, hear my children, the instruction of a father and give attention to no understanding. Hear me, children, hear me, give attention to what I'm about to tell you. I'm going to give you something that's going to bring understanding to your life, so listen to me. Proverbs 8.32, he also said, Now therefore, listen to me, my children, for blessed are those who keep my ways. You see, one of the things that we need to do in our society today is we need to teach our children to pay attention. This is good. This is coming from Grandpa. I've already raised my boys. I've got more to say about that later, even though Zach will get embarrassed. I've got more to say about that. It's our responsibility to teach our, hey, pay attention to me. I've got something to say that's going to help your future, but you need to understand it. So listen to me and pay attention to me. We need to get our kids' attention and teach them to honor authority. Parents need to be the first authority figures in their children's lives. And then... They need to teach that authority to their children because it's going to govern every area of life. If your children don't learn to honor authority at home, they will reject authority and they will be in trouble all the days of their lives. They'll be in trouble at school. When they get older, they'll be in trouble at work. When they get older, they'll be in trouble with the police. When they get older, 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 it goes on and on and on and on and on. If we don't teach our children, well, well I wish my... The Bible says... They're supposed to honor me, and my kids don't honor me. You know what? You're supposed to teach them to honor you. This is good. This is good. Every grandparent here is saying, man, I wish my kids were here to hear this sermon today. <laughs> Tell them to watch it online. You can get a CD and take it to them. When they come over for dinner, play it. Set it on the kitchen table, okay? They need to hear it. Parents, you are the first authority figures in your children's lives. And you've got to realize you are the adult. They are the children. Let me go one step beyond this, okay? Children need to learn to honor other adults. Do you ever have a kid come up to you and you say something to them and they look at you and stick their tongue out and kick you in the shins? It's not the kid's fault, it's the parent's fault. I'm having fun. <laughs> Children need to learn to honor police. You know, we did a thing, what, a year and a half ago, with a year, year and a half ago with our youth? When all the stuff was going on in America and all the stuff about children, police, we had police officers come in and we did a panel one night and we taught our teenagers, if you get stopped by the police or if the police come into the park and begin to talk to you, the first thing you need to do is comply with them because they're in authority, whether you like it or not. They're not always going to be right about some things. They may not handle it well, but still they're in authority. You need to honor that authority. They need to learn that at home. Children need to learn to honor public officials at home. <laughs> Boy, I really got quiet on that one. <laughs> Be careful what you say in front of your kids about public officials. 
You could be passing on seeds of rebellion to them. It's going to hurt them down the road. Be careful what you say. Let's get a little bit closer to home. Your children need to learn to honor their teachers at school. You know, you know one of the things that was common when I was a kid and my, my boys when they were growing up, if you got in trouble at school, you got in more trouble when you got home. In today's world, kids get in trouble at school and the parents file a lawsuit against teachers. And all they're telling their children is, you don't have to listen to anybody in this life. If anybody tells you what to do, we'll sue them and get money out of it. You know what you're doing? You are teaching your child to disobey and disrespect all authority in this life. And I promise you, someday down the road, it will catch up to them. Amen. Well, you don't know my experience. No, but I know God's word. God's word outweighs your experience. How about this one? This is all part of this. Did you know it's a parent's responsibility to say no to their children? I was, I was thinking about this this week. One of the, you know, one of the, my boys, my grandkids, one of the first words they learn is no. And I think there's three reasons. Number one, it's easy to say. It's one syllable. It's, it's easy to form. No, no, no. It's easy. It's easy for kids to say no. Number two, it's a part of their fallen nature. They want what they want. It starts at about age two and it lasts a while. The sooner, the sooner you get it squashed, the sooner you get to quit having to worry about it all the time. Okay? The third reason is because they hear the word a lot. And they need to. Hello? You need to be able to tell your children, no, 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 no. You don't do that because if you do that and let it go, it leads to this and it leads to this and it leads to this. Well, this is good today. I think this will be a series. I'm going to do nine weeks on this. <laughs> now, we're getting ready for the bombshell. Are you ready for this? Parents need to be mentors, teachers, trainers, preparing your children for life. You're not supposed to be their buddy. Well, I want my baby to love me. Well, then give them anything and everything they want, and they will love you. And when you say no, they will throw a fit and embarrass you and everybody else around them. You want your children to love you, to honor you, to respect you, to obey you. You teach them the laws of life, the laws of God's word, and when they grow up, they will love you, they will honor you, they will respect you. If you don't teach it to them when they're young, they won't learn it. But I just wanted to have a little buddy to play with. Get a dog. Get a dog. If you don't like the dog, you can always take him back to the pound and drop him off. Get a dog. Get a cat. Cats are even better. If you don't like the cat, you can run over with your car. Nobody cares. I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I'll be getting emails from PETA this week. I'm just kidding. I've never run over a cat with my car. I'm just kidding. Although I've, I've almost had a couple of wrecks trying to, but I've never done it. 
I'm just, I'm just kidding, okay? Loosen up. The second thing that children need to learn to honor is correction. We need to teach our children to honor correction. Now, this is a tough one, I know. I'm going to tie it all up in a few minutes from Scripture, but stay with me. And it begins at home with their parents. Proverbs 22, 6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he will not depart from it. You know, in, in the church, we use this any way we want to use it. We use it to mean a lot of things. If you put it back in context, Solomon's talking about raising your children, training them for life. He says, train them up in the way they should go. The, the Jewish rabbis translated this, interpreted or interpreted it to say, train up a child in his giftings, and when he's old, he won't depart from them. He'll become what God created him to be. There's a lot to this verse. But here's the point. It becomes the responsibility of the family to train up children in the right ways. And when those children get through their teenage years, their early adult years, the years of foolishness, they will walk in the right ways if they're trained correctly. That's what Solomon was saying. Now, I'm going to put the verses on the screen because I want to give you parents some help. And grandparents, you're part of the process. Extended family, you may be part of the process. If we got blended families, and we've got a lot of them in our church, they're in, throughout society. It's not, a, it's not a curse. It's not an embarrassment. It's part of life today. Blended families, you need help with this. It's even more challenging. But let me show you a couple things. Proverbs 22.15 says, foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. Now, isn't that the truth? Not my kid. Yeah, that's what you think. You're the problem. The kid's not the problem. You're the problem. (laughs) Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, and the rod of correction will drive it far from him. It becomes our responsibility to correct our children and then teach them that throughout life, if it's at school, if it's at softball practice, if it's at dance class, wherever it might be, if it's on the job, wherever, if it's meeting with the IRS going over your taxes, you will always be facing correction in this life. And you have to learn to accept it and honor it and let it do its proper work. How about this one? Proverbs 23. Do not withhold correction from a child. Now stay with me, okay? Some of you won't like the language. Let me walk you through this. Do not withhold correction for a child. For if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. Some of you, some of you, now stay with me, okay? If you're putting marks on your kid's body, if you're bruising them, if you're cutting them, if if you're doing things that make marks on them, if you are just in anger dealing with them, you are wrong and you need somebody to correct you. You need that. Let Let me put that verse back up there. Come on, we're having too much fun here. For if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. When I was a kid... I never got beaten, but I got, I got a few spankings. When I, when I was, I got to hurry. When I was like four years old, three or four years old, the fire department came behind my grandpa's gas station where I hung out as a little kid before I started school. The, the fire department came and did a controlled burn. They burned off this grass field. But right next to the garage, they missed a spot. <laughs> That's right. So the next week, I, I, I helped them. 
that's the first spanking I ever remember getting. Okay? And I can't remember, all I remember is I didn't set any more grass fields on fire. I learned that. Okay? Here's my point. The rod of correction drove that foolishness out of my heart. I remember when I was about nine or ten, one evening, I went and said, Mom, my buddies are playing baseball right around the corner, up the street, about half a block. We're playing baseball. I'm going to go up there and play with them. My mom said, okay, but you be back here at 530. It's five o'clock. You be back here at 530 for dinner. Do you understand me? I said, yes, ma'am. I took off, went and played baseball. About 540, my mom shows up. She doesn't have a razor strap. She doesn't have a baseball bat or a tennis racket. My mom shows up with this little twig off a tree about this long. She called it a switch. And it was real limber, and I had shorts on, and she got behind me, and she said, what did I tell you? You told me to be home at 5.30. It is 5.40, and you're not home. Get home now. So I turned and started. She said, nope, don't you run. You walk. And I'm walking, and my mom's behind me switching the back of my legs. I'm dancing. I'm, don't you run from me. All the way home, switch, switch. You know what? I learned to this day. You, you tell me to be there at 7.30, I will be there at 7.20, and I'm ready to go. Because I learned correction when I was young. I took a couple of the guys to a pastor's leadership thing this past Thursday. And as all, all of you know, one of my pet peeves is coming into church 20 minutes late. It drives me crazy, but that's besides the point. I didn't embarrass anybody because I, I can't see at this distance who's who, okay? So I don't know if you did or didn't. But here, this minister's thing, we got pastors coming in 30 minutes late to this thing. And I thought, well, you fools, no wonder your people come to church late. You don't even get there on time, you know? But I was taught as a kid, if it's 5.30, you better be there, or that switch will get on the back of your legs, and you'll dance all the way home. The rod of correction didn't leave marks on me. It made my, reds, my legs red for a little while. But you know what? Didn't do any damage to me. Now, I'm going to say this, and you know, people are going to sort this out for themselves. Do not withhold correction from a child, for if you beat him with the rod, he will not die. Some of you, it kills you. It kills you to give him time out for three minutes. Get over it. It's your responsibility to correct them, not to hurt them. Find a way that works with your child's personality. And let me say this. Do not correct your children in front of people and embarrass them. And do not physically hurt them. Take them aside and explain to them what you're doing and why. That it's going to down the road bring more goodness to them. And, and don't tell them this hurts me more than it hurts you. Because it doesn't. If it does, something wrong with you. I don't care what they say. <laughs> verse 14, the next verse says... You shall beat him with a rod and deliver his soul from hell. It's not talking about little kids going to hell for disobeying their parents. It's talking about what happens down the road if they don't learn correction. Boy, this is good. This is so good. Let me give you a couple more real fast. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Proverbs 23, 24. The father of the righteous will greatly rejoice, and he who begets a wise child will delight in him. And one more verse before I move on, and i got to really go fast here. Hebrews 12, 11. This is the purpose of discipline. This is how God disciplines us and why. This is how we should discipline our children. 
Now, no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterward, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. God doesn't hurt us or discipline us to hurt us. God doesn't discipline us to leave scars on us. He disciplines us, he corrects us to guide us onto the correct path of life. And that's what we need to be doing with our children. The exact same thing. Now, a third thing that we need to... How many just want to stay on this for another week? You want to just stay here? That's what I thought. The third thing we need to teach our children to honor, we need to teach our children to honor God. And it starts at home. It doesn't start at church. It starts at home with the family. I'm going to read some verses out of Deuteronomy 6. This is what God told Old Testament Israel when he's forming them as a nation. Beginning at verse number 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. How many of you think that we need to teach our children there's one God? Okay, look at the next verse. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. Now pause here a moment. It's interesting. He says love God but honor your parents. Why? Because he knows your parents aren't going to be perfect, but God is. God is. Okay, Verse 6, and these words which I command you today shall be where? In your heart. We need to get God's word in our heart and understand it. Verse number 7, you shall teach them diligently to your children. You shall talk of them when you sit in your house. Are you talking to your children at home about God? Are you teaching them about God? You shall talk to them. Or when you walk, by the way, when you're traveling in your car, are you talking about God? Are you teaching them? When you lie down and when you wake up, do you talk about your, God to your children? Do you tuck them in at night and tell them a Bible story and pray with them? Do you talk to them about God's plans for them the next morning when you get up around the breakfast table? What he's saying is God needs to be a part of every part of every aspect of our lives. It's not about a Sunday thing one Sunday a month or one Sunday every week. It's about every day. We are to teach and train our children in the ways of the Lord. It comes from God. Look at the next verse. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, so all your actions line up with God's word. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Everything you see in life, you see it through the lens of God's word, and you teach your children to do that. We can do this. It's been done. We can do this. In the next verse, one more verse, you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. In other words, nothing comes into my house that violates God's word. I don't care if the kids bring it in, even when they're teenagers or young adults. If it violates the principles of God's word, it does not belong in my house. If it's music, if it's video, television, whatever it might be, stuff on the internet, if it's literature, whatever it is, nothing that violates the principles of God's word belong in my house. Children need to learn that from us. Here's why. Psalms 127 says that children are the heritage of the Lord. We'll have child dedication here in a few weeks. Child dedication here at the bridge is really about parent dedication. We recognize this is not your baby, this is God's baby. And God's going to hold you accountable for how you raise that child. I pulled that one on my boys when they got to the age where they could try to talk back to me. And they did. They did a little bit. They did. You know, Zach's still got some jeans with marks on the seat of the pants. 
No, he doesn't. Zach was a good boy. He was almost perfect. <laughs> almost. Almost. But I would tell my boys, you know what? I know you don't like the rules of the house sometimes, but I answer to God for how I raise you, and I'm not going to take any chances of being on the wrong side of this issue. When you get old enough that you live on your own, you can do it your way, and they did. But they came back to the foundation that was taught to them. See, we need to teach our children who we answer to and who they answer to. And he even went so far in Psalms 127 to say, if you raise your children right, they can be like arrows. God will shoot them at a target, and they'll hit the target exactly where God wants them to be. Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said, I get this. If you really want to know God, you've got to become like little children. Humble, open. Don't wait until your children are teenagers and young adults try to point them to God. Get them while their hearts are open and tender and humble. Teach them God's ways while they're young. When they're old, they won't depart. They'll turn back to it. Teach them while their hearts are, are tender. You know, I've told this story a couple times. I want to tell it again today just for emphasis sake. First church I pastored, uh, there's a long story here. I don't have time to tell it all, but I spent a few Wednesday nights with some of the youth. And I was, all I was trying to do was help them understand this is why mom and dad are teaching you these things. So one night I asked the question. I said, how are your moms and dads different from your friends whose parents don't know God? And they said, there's no difference. I said, no, 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 you're, you're misunderstanding the question. I asked the question four different ways. And the answer was, my parents don't live any differently at home than the neighbor's kids, than the neighbor's parents. So finally I said, well, what about at church? They said, well, church is a different story. They act one way at church, but there's something different at home. Every one of those teenagers said that. One night I was in a board meeting with a group of church leaders. And one of the guys who'd been in the church since the founding of the church said, I don't understand. We just can't find a good youth pastor. We can't keep our kids in the church. They don't want to stay in church. They grow up and they leave the church. I don't understand what's wrong. Why can't we find a good youth pastor? And you know what I did? I told them what the kids said on Wednesday night. And I said, the problem here is not with the children. The problem here is with the parents. We're one thing at church and we're something else at home. Everybody smile at me. I'm talking about people you know. Not you, but people you know. We need to get our children in relationship with God while they're young and their hearts are open so God can mold their lives. What, one more little thought here. Matthew chapter 19, you know, they brought these children to Jesus and the disciples came along and said, no, 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 not the children, not the children. Jesus is busy. We got places to go, got things to do. Jesus rebuked them and said, leave them alone. Let the children come to me for this is the kingdom of God. Now listen closely to this. I'm almost done with this point. It says Jesus laid his hands on them and blessed them. God wants to lay his hands on your children. You need to get them in God's house and let him do that while they are young because it will shape their life for the future. Get them in God's house now. Get them in the presence of God. Let him bless them now.
And the, then the last thing, and I'm going to be really quick here. The fourth thing that children need to learn to honor. They need to learn to honor their own reputation. Now that's, yeah, they're kids. Let me tell you what Proverbs 20.11 says. Put it on the screen. Even a child is known by his deeds. Whether what he does is pure and right. Your kids at school are building a reputation. Actually, the truth is, your kids at nursery school are building a preschool. They're building a reputation. You need to teach your children. Your reputation opens doors for you and it closes doors for you. Your actions matter. The things I'm teaching you at home, you better be living those things at school and out in the world around you because if you're not, I'm going to find out about it and I am going to correct it. And not only that, you are going to build a reputation for yourself that the right kind of people want nothing to do with you. This affects school. It affects work. It affects their future. Building a right reputation. Are they honest? Do they care about people? Are they fair with people? How do you treat people? Do you love God? Do you walk with God? Do you teach people His ways? You're building a reputation even when you're young. If your children learn that as children and it gets in their heart, it'll shape their future. And in closing, there are two ways that our children learn. They learn from our words, our instructions, the teaching that we give them. But number two, they learn from the lives that we live. And if the two things are not lining up, our children live confused lives. I can stand here this morning and tell you stories of people that I've watched through the years. They were one thing at church, they were something else at home. One thing at church, something else at work. They come to church, I'm this, 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 this. You do business with them and they will cheat you out of your last dollar if they can. I've dealt with people like that. But I've also watched their children grow up and say, I want nothing to do with church and nothing to do with God. I look at our nation today and I wonder, where would we be today if we hadn't ran down the road of rebellion where we've run and just discard God's morality in our society? How much better off would we be? Someday I stand before God, and even now as a parent and a grandparent, someday when I stand before God, I give an account for how I've raised my children and how I've helped influence my grandchildren. I want to carry that responsibility well. Let me pray for you today. Father, we've done some laughing today to keep it live, but this is a big responsibility. It's important. Father, I thank you that I had parents and grandparents who taught me right ways. It shaped my life. I thank you for that. Father, I thank you that I'm trying to pass that on to children and grandchildren. But I pray for every person, every family represented here today. God, we've all made mistakes. 
God, help us to just be honest and apologize to our children, to our spouses, to other family members and say, you know what, I missed the point here. I missed it. It's my fault. Then help us to just accept your grace and get up and move forward and teach our children, train our children and our grandchildren to be the people you want them to be, not what society tells them to be. We don't want a confused generation. We want a godly, purposeful generation. So God, show us how to carry this responsibility Teach our children to give honor where honor is due. Give us that grace today. Give us, give us wisdom to know how to correct and how to shape the future as we should in Jesus' name. One more second. While heads are bowed and eyes are closed, maybe you're here today and maybe you've listened to this and you've thought, wow, this is great, but nobody taught me about God. Or maybe you're here and you'd say, well, you know, they tried to tell me, but there were some things that got me off track, and I'm kind of the prodigal. I want to talk to you for a second. I want to tell you God loves you. He cares about you. God has better plans for you than you have for yourself, but in order to see those plans fulfilled, you've got to open your heart to Him and let Him get involved in your life. And the way you start is you stop and recognize that God loves you so much, He put His own Son on a cross, and took everything that was wrong with you and put it on his son on that cross so that he could take everything that was right with his son and pour it into your life. It's a great exchange that takes place when you stop and accept Jesus as your Savior and choose him to become the Lord of your life. And it all starts with you responding to God's invitation and saying, God, I want you. I need you in my life. Maybe you're sitting here today and maybe your heart is stirring and you're realizing, you know, these things are right, but man, I've never applied them. It's never too late to start walking with God. God can wipe away all your sins and failures, wash them away with what Jesus did on the cross and give you a brand new clean start and teach you how to walk in his ways and see his blessing. But he needs your permission. He needs your invitation. We do that with words. We call it prayer, but prayer is just words communicating with God. I want to lead you in a prayer today and give you a chance to open your heart to God. So if you would, everybody in the house, pray this prayer with me. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life. I accept Jesus as my Savior. I choose Jesus to become the Lord of my life. Teach me your ways. I want to know you. I will follow you. From this moment forward, you will be my father. And I will be your child because of Jesus. Thank you for receiving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, before we leave today, I'm going to tell you this. I got a little gift called The Next Seven Days. It's just a little booklet that will help you start walking with God. That prayer is not the end of the journey. It's just the beginning. This will help you understand the great plans God has for your life and how to begin to walk into it. I want to give this to you. When service is over, we'll have prayer teams at the front of the building. They're here to pray with anyone about any need. If you just walk up to one of these teams and say, can I get the booklet? They'll give it to you there. No strings attached. If you want to get it and go, that's fine. If you've got questions, they can answer questions. If you want prayer for something else going on in your life, they can pray with you. 
If you're in a really big rush out in the lobby, just before you exit through the glass doors, right in the middle, there's a counter set up there. You'll see the sign. You can stop by and get the same book. Just walk up and ask for the booklet. We want to help you get started walking with God. God bless you today. Can we put our hands together and welcome new members into God's family? God bless you. Pastor Zach is coming to share something really important this morning, so we need everyone to give him your undivided attention. And as he comes to share some information that's going to be vitally important to some of you, let me say this. Thank you so much for your continued faithful support. God is blessing his church, but it's because of people like you. We're making a difference literally around the world. It's because of your faithful giving. Thank you for your giving. God will bless you as you give. Pastor Zach, come. Can we put our hands together and thank Pastor Gary for that message? He told me earlier that I had to clap right there, otherwise I was going to get a spanking after this service, so <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> hey, as he was saying, right now we're going to honor God by bringing our tithes and our offerings into his house, and I just want to echo what he said and say thank you so much for your faithfulness in giving. We serve a faithful God, amen? And we believe in order to become more like him, he's calling us to be more generous. So thank you for putting God first with your finances, with your tithes, with your offerings. We're, offerings. We're so incredibly grateful. I want to just share very quickly something logistics with you. This is important for us as a church family to know. We have many, many people in our church that the way in which you give is you might give online. You might give through our text-to-give service, or you might be a recurring giver, which means that your giving is already automated, and it comes out on the dates which you have pre-designated online. We are moving our online giving to a brand new platform here as a church, and we just want to take a couple moments to tell you about this. And this specifically applies, again, to everybody that gives online, that uses text-to-give, or is a reoccurring giver. We are moving to this new platform because it's really going to enable us to do a lot of things, but at the top of that list is the convenience of giving. It also help us managing internally. But if you are an online giver, I want to encourage you to take advantage of this as our old platform is going to be expiring before too long. So if you're an online giver, I want to encourage you to text the keyword Bridge Church TV to 77977. If you want to take a screenshot of this, you can do this also so that you can do this and have it for later. But the keyword is Bridge Church TV and text that keyword to 77977. If you give online by going to our website, whether you use the phone or you use a computer at home, you'll notice that there is a new option for giving. We want to encourage you, if you are an online giver, to choose the new option because, again, the old platform will be going away soon. Also, if you're a recurring giver, we want you to know that recurring gifts are still an option and we encourage you to continue to do that. But we would like to see you move from the old platform to the new one. And the two different ways that you can do that is you can text that keyword to 77977. It'll send you the link right back. You can set up your new reoccurring gift. You'll just need to go onto our website so that you can cancel your old reoccurring gift on the old platform, okay? And then, of course, if you have the Bridge app, you can give through the Bridge app and it's, it immediately accesses this new giving platform. But we're going to be moving everything over to this new platform because it's really going to help us to more efficiently manage the finances of the church. And not only that, it's so incredibly convenient. I've been using it for the last few weeks, and we're just now telling you about this. All you got to do is text that keyword. It'll send you back a link. You set it up once, and it's that easy 
every single time you do it. You don't have to set it up. You don't have to log in every time. And if you do it once through the Bridge app, you can jump right in and do it quickly and efficiently with that same level of safety and security that we've always had. So we wanted to tell you about that because it's really, really important if you're an online giver. And of course, if you give via cash or check by using an envelope, you're always welcome to do that. We don't discourage that at all. If that's what's most convenient for you, that's cool. You can continue to do that. But we wanted to take a moment to tell you about that because it's important with how it is that we're going to be managing things going forward. So thank you so much for letting us do that. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your generosity. We're so grateful for all that we get to be a part of here at the bridge. As we give this morning, as our ushers come right now to receive our tithes and offerings, let's watch church news together and see what's going on here at the church. Good morning and welcome to The Bridge. My name is Adrian, and I want to give you a very special welcome today. We hope that you feel right at home this morning and that you and your family have a great experience. Church is so much more than a place we go on Sundays. Church is who we are. There is always a lot happening at The Bridge, and we want to do more than just tell you about it. We want to give you the opportunity to be involved. Here's a look at a few things coming up in the days ahead. We hope you'll find your place and be a part of what God is doing here at The Bridge. Water baptisms are coming up later this month on Sunday, March 31st. Baptism Sunday is one of our favorite days as we celebrate with people who are going public with their faith and saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. If you have recently made a decision to follow Christ, or you made that decision at some point in the past, but have never been baptized, we invite you to participate in this significant day. Just sign up at the Connection Center after this service, and our team will give you all of the details. You can also sign up on our website or through the Bridge app. Let us help you take your next step and follow Christ in water baptism. we want to personally invite you to stop by the Connection Center before you go today. Take a few minutes to come by and say hi. Our team would love to meet you and help you get connected in church life. They can also answer any questions that you might have about the church. For more general info and to stay up to date, be sure to check out our website, thebridgechurch.tv, or download the Bridge app. Finally, if you made a decision to follow Christ today, come and see one of our prayer teams and get your free copy of the next seven days. You can also stop by the next seven days desk before you exit the building. We want to help you start your walk with God. Thanks again for spending your morning at the bridge. We love being in church with you. Hey, just to echo what that said, water baptisms are two weeks from today. If you or someone that you know here in the church has recently made a decision to follow Christ or never been baptized, we would love for you to be baptized. You can stop by the Connection Center to sign up. You can go online or do that also through the Bridge app. Also, this coming Tuesday morning, Bridge Women is on at 930. Ladies, we would love to have you here on Tuesday morning. It's going to be awesome. God bless you. Have an awesome Sunday, a great week, and we will see you next Sunday in church. Says